G'day everyone and welcome to another bloody movie podcast. I'm Sean Coates. Thank you very much for watching and it's myth time again. But it's online because COVID has made everything in life suck. Uh, especially here in Melbourne, which we are now under a stage four lockdown with a curfew. So yay for that. But no, myth can't go ahead in its traditional form this year, obviously. So it's been moved online and it is going to be running online from from now all the way up until the 23rd of August. And a quick shout out before I get into the film I'm talking about today, a quick shout out to both my previous guests, Chris Elena and Nace Bagai, who both won awards at their respective festivals after coming on the show to talk about their films. Like, I've just gone on a massive, massive streak here. I seem to be a good luck charm. So uh, congrats to Chris Elena, who won uh, both the Best Screenplay Award and the Audience Award for his film Audio Guide at the St Kilda Film Festival, and also to Nace Bagai, who won the Australian Documentary Prize at the Sydney Film Festival for his film Descent. Uh, if you get a chance to check bo it, both of these films out, please do. Both Chris and Nace, congratulations. One of the films that Nace was up against at the for the Documentary Prize at Sydney Film Festival was Alison Chorn's The Plastic House. Now, I have had the lovely privilege of both seeing this film. Uh, the producer got in contact with me directly uh, asking if I was interested in reviewing the film. So I'm very thankful that I was approached and I'm glad because I really, really enjoyed the film. And also I got a chance to interview the both the director, the writer, uh, sound designer, editor, uh, composer, and I'm sure I'm missing about six other titles here, but it was a salt. This film is a solo project by Australian filmmaker Alison Chorn. I have an interview with her that you'll hear later on in this episode. But for now, let's talk a little bit about the Plastic House, and I'm going to review it now. So the Myth Program Guide defines the following synopsis for the Plastic House: In the confines of a greenhouse draped in transparent plastic, a young woman cares for her family's plants as the seasons roll by. Her mother and father have recently died, and she has retreated to this solitary, routinary existence. But can the thin sheeting keep her bubble safe from the elements, and from the emotions that come with loss? Minimalist in setup and style, The Plastic House is a masterful piece of experimental filmmaking, privileging atmosphere over action in its almost wordless exploration of mourning, migration, and passage of time. Blending documentary and fiction elements alongside classic slow cinema technique, this lyrical, semi-autobiographical piece heralds Alison Chorn as an intriguing new Australian voice. Now, that is a lovely description from the Myth programmers there, and I agree with a lot of it because, and I think, I believe Alison talks about this in our interview, but saying that, like, her initial, initial idea for this film was just to capture this atmosphere inside this greenhouse. And when Alison is in there doing this sort of repetitive and kind of laborious uh, manual labour of, you know, like, plant uh, of planting and just, uh, you know, like, and harvesting these crops and just general tending to the crops that are inside the greenhouse. It does have this sort of meditative effect and this sort of, you know, and, and in keeping with the slow cinema, in this slow cinema style, um, Alison in our interview talks about her inspirations being the likes of Chantal Ackerman and Andre Tarkovsky and Abachok Pongwirisethical. Like, it really creates this ethereal atmosphere and just inside this greenhouse where it's this place where time sort of ceases to exist, where it's just you in there doing this sort of repetitive action and kind of finding, like, I guess, peace and healing through doing this. And I thought that whole aspect of the film is just really, 
really engaging. Like, am I, I, I mostly find a lot of experimental works to be kind of alienating and distant and sort of just use this slow cinema sort of techniques to just kind of fill space. But the way uh, Chorn uses it is just... Like, it's it's in service of all of these really, really great ideas that she's exploring in this film. And it just makes the film just so incredibly absorbing. And in in doing so, it really gets you emotionally invested in Alison's journey that she's going on in this film. And especially when uh, things happen towards the end, it gets really moving and quite touching, which I was not expecting for... An experimental film, as as I said, experimental films I often find to be very cold and distant and way too esoteric to be, to sort of have an emotional centre, but this is something that Alison Chorn just absolutely excels at with this film. And it's also this fear, what she also really strikes to the heart out of this film is the fear of losing your parents. Um, I, you can tell that, like, it's very subtle, but I think it's just, like, it just sort of link, like most things in this film, it sort of lingers under the surface and just sort of, it really, really creeps up on you. Much like the, much like the emotion in, of this film, it just really, really creeps up on you and just has this really, really strong effect. Uh, The Plastic House, it's a, it's a hard film to define. Uh, Alison had a hard time, has a hard time defining it herself, but you can check this out as part of the Melbourne International Film Festival's online edition this year, running from today, recording this on August 7th, and running through until the 23rd of August, and you can purchase The Plastic House as part of a bundle with another with another documentary short called, I'm getting it up right now, it is called Outside the Oranges Are Blooming, uh, and that package with those two films is $14, so make sure you go to 2020.mif.com.au. Uh, capacity is strictly limited, so please book now to avoid your disappointment. And now, let's hear, you've heard me talk about it, but let's hear from the person who actually made the film. Here's my chat with the director, writer, producer... Composer, sound editor, editor, and everything else. The creator of The Plastic House, Alison Chorn. And just a quick disclaimer, we did record this over Zoom, so the sound quality is not the best, and also Alison's internet connection wasn't that great, so she does break up a little bit. But I will also be doing an article where I basically transcribe most of this interview, and I'll be publishing that on moviebabble.com. But just keep in mind that the recording quality is not that great. But I think it's it's okay. Uh, so hope you enjoy it. Uh, Alison Chorn, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. All right. So you're over in Adelaide. I'm here under stage four lockdown in Melbourne. So the whole COVID thing is almost is like kind of wrapping up for you. But how, as a creative, how was the lockdown for you? Did it? stimulate or stifle your creativity or and your work ethic like how did you how did you function and cope with COVID-19 lockdowns and restrictions yeah I think with just with everyone you know it's it's a bit of a shock to hear the news and to have have to be in lockdown but for me I'm I'm sort of like really used to being homebound and so it's not that different for me um but I, I just feel a lot of sympathy for everyone else who has to, you know, stay at home and but are still working and, you know, having to compromise their lives and everything. So 
Mm. And so everything's gone pretty much mobile, not mobile, sorry, uh, what's the word for it? Remote now, including film festivals, which is the reason why I've got you on the program today, uh, talking about your film, The Plastic House, which screened at Sydney Film Festival a couple of months back and is now screening at Melbourne International Film Festival. I'm just wondering, how would you describe your film? Because it's, uh, it, I, it's, a, it's an experimental piece that kind of lands somewhere between fiction and, uh, and documentary. So uh, just describe what The Plastic House is. Yeah, it's, it's a film that's hard to describe. And I guess some people have called it a documentary hybrid, which is, for people who don't know, um, hybrid films are like sort of based in reality, but they use narrative uh, fictional techniques. Um, and for me, this film is like very much based in reality and my own experiences, but I wanted to make something more cinematic. And that's why there's a fusion between the two genres. Right. And I guess you just mentioned the word cinematic there. Um, in terms of now with the fest like festivals and things going online, are you a little bit uh, disappointed or saddened by the fact that your film can't be played on the big screen? Uh, yes. And also it's weird because I can't compare it to like, uh, because I've never really had physical screenings before. This is kind of my first film that's done the festival circuit. And so it's all very new to me. Um, and I'm just very grateful just to be playing in festivals that are still playing online. I guess the festivals going online, it, I guess, opens it to just, you know, a broader audience that not just the festival, like the festival audience will definitely come out for it. But then also, I guess, like maybe other people that just maybe wouldn't see a film like The Plastic House might take it, might get interested in it and, you know, watch it. Um, so the film was shot, uh, how long was it completed over? Because so you shot this on your parents' far, like parents' greenhouse and their farm out in country South Australia. Um, yeah, how long did this whole process take? Um, well, the main shooting took, I mean, I filmed most of it in the winter of 2016. And then because I was working on other projects, I just edited it on and off for a couple of years. And that's why it took a long time. But all up, I would say it took about four years to complete. Wow. You mentioned the editing there, so I took you, you were editing it on and off for a while. I've, in my research before interviewing you, I found out that you've, like, one of the disciplines you do in filmmaking that you've done more prominently is editing, and, like, on your Vimeo account, you've got a lot of uh, video essays. I'm just wondering how much of this film really came together in the edit, and was that where it, like, most of the ideas and those things came through in this film? Yeah, that that's sense. that's a good question, because... I think that's how most of the came, most of the film came about. Um, even though I had strong ideas of what I wanted to shoot at the start, um, I think the story really comes through editing and just creating the mood and the sound design too comes through editing. So that's a really big um, aspect for me. So, so the, the film is mainly pretty singular and very like insular, I guess would be the word for it, and very contained to within this thing, uh, to within the greenhouse and also, I guess, the property that was there. Was there any, I'm just curious, was there any other footage that was shot maybe outside of that that just didn't make, like just talking about things 
like really coming together in the edit? Was there anything that like you maybe shot elsewhere and it just didn't fit? Yeah, that's another good question because I did shoot a lot of stuff. Like there's a lot of driving footage. I think I cut out about 10, 15 minutes of driving footage and just some other stuff that just didn't work out. And I find with every project that I work on that that's what tends to happen. You only really use maybe, I don't know, I I don't know what the percentage is, but it's like a very small percent of what you actually shoot um, makes it into the film. So, yeah, there was a lot that was cut out. Okay, and that's, that's so your film's only. I was also curious because your film is only forty six minutes, which I is normal for sort of experimental films like this. But it also made me think that it maybe a fair bit was cut out. Um, you talked uh, in a lot of interviews. You've talked a lot about some of your influences toward this film, and you've pointed towards uh, Chantal Ackerman and uh, Andre Tarkovsky and Apachat Pongaris Ethical. Um, it's just curious as to how, in what ways, these sort of filmmakers and their works uh, influence the Plastic House. Yeah, I think all those filmmakers you mentioned, like, they create a strange kind of atmosphere in their films um, and almost to them, like, a mysterious atmosphere. Um, And they also tend to use, like, long takes and um, could be considered slow cinema. But... There's another influence that I realised um, recently because I had to go through the film um, again, um, and that's Robert Bresson. And yeah, his film based and um, very clinical and very editing ba- edited based as well, and I felt like that's what the what my film kind of um is made up of um almost like these singular shots of hands or activities um cut together in a few montage sequences but also mixed with long sequences as well Okay. You broke up a little bit there, but I think I heard a little bit and I'm hearing myself in the feedback now, actually. Um, but uh, what was I going to say on that? On Just on that though, um, unfortunately from those filmmakers listed and unfortunately I haven't seen anything actually from Brisson, Ackerman or Tarkovsky, but the one we're a ethical film that I have seen, which is Uncle Boonley can recall his past lives. Uh, I did feel like a lot of that, like sort of like this ethereal atmosphere and like, you know, in this sort of natural setting, you know, that you really elicited that in your film and especially like in the setting of the greenhouse as well. And this focus on like, you know, like repetitive manual labor and like trying to find like, though it's laborious, like finding, I guess, like, um, met some, like this meditative quality to that. And I can't remember where I was going with this, unfortunately. Um, but no, that, oh crap, sorry, <laughs> scrap that. I think you were onto something though, like, yeah, there is like a meditative quality in where Sethical's films that I really wanted to capture in my film as well. 
Yeah, so what else? And, and just talking, staying on influences for a while. Um, uh, there's one that uh, there's one that's fairly overt in your film, or it may not be overt because I'm actually not sure of the source material for this. But at one point in the film, uh, you are reading uh, William Faulkner's "As I Lie Dying," and I'm just wondering uh, what I know of Faulkner. I'm not a big reader, and you know, quite literature illiterate. Um, but what I know about Faulkner is that he's a very right. like considered a fairly like a stream of consciousness sort of writer and like has those, those sort of narratives. So I'm wondering if there's any sort of significance for as I lie dying in the, in your film. Yeah, I think that book was a big influence um, just in terms of tone and the subject matter, um, which is about uh, mainly about a boy who who's lost his mother and he, is kind of dealing with grief, but also having to continue, um, you know, living his life and stuff. And yeah, Faulkner is also, his other books have a strange quality where it's very, it's very cinematic to me. Like he jumps through past and present and he jumps through time and um, I've also heard the filmmaker Claire Denis um, is also influenced by Faulkner. And oh, wow. that's, yeah, if you've seen her films, um, you can see the correlation between the two, um, the two artists. Well, I'll definitely, I, I'm a fan of Claire Denis. I've seen a handful of her films. I'm a fan of hers. And um, I can, I can, even though I categorically haven't seen it, I think you may have done a better adaptation or inspiration of As I Lay Dying than James Franco did. <laughs> okay. I remember what I was saying about that earlier about like you know this this focus on manual like inside the greenhouse specifically what I was trying to get to is that like it's this sort of repetitive nature and like this meditative nature is that I found as well that like you and you probably definitely did uh while while filming is that you'd lose track of time like in the in the, in the greenhouse environment like it's hard to tell what time of day it is like it looks fairly similar throughout yeah i think that's definitely what i've i experienced while working there um and also i think it also has to do with the weather as well because in adelaide the weather is kind of bipolar it can change from like sunny and then to cloudy and then to raining in like a few hours and that's <laughs> the can, same <laughs> yeah but um i don't know I, f I feel like whenever i visit melbourne it's always like dark and gloomy there <laughs> oh that's me with sydney actually uh so a big a big influence for this film was the this idea of basically taking over your parents farm once they had passed away and that's sort of the fictional element because your parents are still alive and well. Um, uh, just wondering your parents' involvement with the film because they do appear with in sort of, I guess, for lack of a better word, flashback sequences. But I'm just, yeah, curious to their involvement in the film and if they have seen it, what are their thoughts on it? They didn't really have any involvement in the film. I mean, I really was just filming them at a distance, almost like home movies and... Um, my mum is the only one who's seen it and she really didn't say much but the most that I got out of what she said is that she liked it and that's like the most that um, especially from a migrant 
migrant family, that's the most you can get from a parent, um, having some semblance of approval. Right. And, and your film also, also with the MIF program is, I'll just get it up here. It's part of, uh, for part of the MIF screening, it, well, MIF like package, it is a screening with a Portuguese uh, documentary short called Outside the Oranges Are Blooming. Uh, have you had the chance to check this film out yet? And, or did you have any say in getting this film programmed? No, I'm saying a shaking of the head there. No, but I'm very excited to see this film. And like, it's just interesting seeing it paired in with other films and in other programs, because it's definitely a difficult film by itself. And, and so, yeah, I'm interested in, in a lot of films that can that can complement it Mm, fantastic and other projects that you've got coming up i found out you've got a a more traditional documentary uh in development called after years uh is there anything you can tell us about that yeah i mean this new project is came about from just all the unanswered questions in the plastic house because i felt like this film was about absence and and so it led me to think about you know my parents history and where they came from and why you know there's so many kind of bad habits and survival kind of things that we still do in the present that could be traced you know um during the Khmer Rouge genocide and so this current documentary well, I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to be a do- documentary or a documentary hybrid again, but it's going to explore um, this really complex subject matter. I'm excited to see it. And after The Plastic House, I'm excited to see where your career goes. And uh, where can people, like, so obviously see The Plastic House as part of MIF 68 and a half. And but if people want to see, like, you know, keep up to date with what you're doing, uh, where can they go? Yeah, so I have a Facebook filmmaker page. Um, it's just my name, um, Alison Sean Filmmaker. And I'm also on Instagram, Letterboxd, Tumblr, you know, places yeah. like that. And Vimeo. See her, see her, uh, her video essays on Vimeo. I've watched a couple. There's one where it was the, it had Persona in the profile picture and it was about like two sides. Yeah, it was, it was centered around Persona and other films. It was really, really fantastic. Yeah, thanks. But make sure you see Alison's film, The Plastic House, as part of MIF 68 and a half uh, to see her film and purchase the, t- purchase the bundle. You can purchase it for $14 and you get, the doc- you get the documentary short Outside the Oranges Are Blooming. With that, just head to 2020.mif.com.au for that. Alison, thank you very much for joining me and best of luck with the festival. Yeah, thanks so much. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope it has compelled you to go seek out The Plastic House, which is now screening at the Melbourne International Film Festival 2020 online edition, MIF 68 and a half, as it is colloquially, as it is, as it is colloquially, colloquially, <laughs> colloquially called, oh my goodness, the lockdown's getting to me, guys, I can't even speak anymore. I'm glad this happened now and not during my interview with Alison, but you can check out her film, The Plastic House, at, Mel- at MIF online from today, August 7th, all the way up until August 23rd. 
Allison's film is screening is paired up with the Portuguese documentary short Outside the Oranges Are Blooming, and you can purchase the, that bundle of two films for just $14 from the MIF website. Again, head to 2020.mif.com.au to buy that bundle, but capacity is strictly limited, so book now to avoid missing out. And as for other MIF coverage, uh, this this will probably be the end of uh, of another bloody movie podcast MIF coverage for this year. But it rolls on over at moviebabble.com. Uh, by the time this episode is up, I should have my review for the Canadian uh, social realist mumblecore adjacent drama, micro budget drama, and at thirteen thousand feet. I thought that film was quite great. Um, my review for that should be up at moviebabble review moviebabble. It's just moviebabble now. Just moviebabble.com. That should be up by the time this episode airs. And also, uh, other movie babble writers, Nick Cush and Anna Campion, are also covering a handful of films that will be screening at MIF. So just keep up to date and going to moviebabble.com and looking out for those. And speaking of online festivals and movie babble staff, myself and movie babble CEO Nick Cush, uh, who I just mentioned, who's also covering MIF. Uh, we both got accredited to the Fantasia Film Festival in Montreal, which has gone online. So. I mean, that's, that's been the upside of, of film festivals going online. Uh, international film festivals and really cool ones like Fantasia, uh, we can attend. And we are going to do some coverage for that, both on Movie Babble and hopefully we might do an episode either here on another Buddy Movie podcast feed or on the Movie Babble podcast where we talk about the films uh, we have seen for Fantasia Film Festival. So. Keep an eye out for that. And an easy way to keep an eye out for that is to just subscribe to us everywhere, uh, to our social medias and to our podcast feed. For our podcast feed, you can find us on Spotify, you can find us on SoundCloud, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Pretty much wherever good podcasts and bad ones are found, you just search for another bloody movie podcast and hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on our social medias. You can like our Facebook page, which is another bloody movie podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, which is at AB Movie Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, which is at another bloody movie pod. And you can follow me both on Instagram and Twitter, both at SeanHub underscore. That is S-E-A-N-H-U-B underscore. As I said, keep an eye out on moviebabblereviews.com. So sorry, I did it again. Just Movie Babble. Keep an eye out on moviebabble.com for more reviews for MIF 2020 and also Fantasia Film Festival 2020. All that's going to come very, very soon. And also you can follow me on Letterboxd. If you, if you, you know, I don't review every single film I see, but if you want to keep up to date with what I'm watching, there's it's lockdowns happening. There's going to be, I'm going to be watching a lot of stuff because what else is there to do? So if you want to see me, if you want to listen to me or not listen, if you want to see what I think, see what I'm watching at all times of the day, uh, go to letterbox.com forward slash Sean Coates. And stay tuned in the coming week for on ABMP Film Fiasco as we continue our trek into the Twilight Saga, covering the second film in the Twilight Saga, New Moon. Now, this is completely new to me. I have never seen this film. Uh, Ashley and Sarah will be joining us again. Eric hopefully will, but maybe not. Uh, we'll, we'll see how he goes. Um, but yeah, we're recording that on Sunday, and uh, hopefully we can get that out in the next week. So make sure you subscribe to another Buddy Movie podcast wherever you get your good your podcasts, and you know get notified for when that episode and all other episodes uh, go live. Thanks very much for listening, and a big thank you to Alison Chorn for joining me on this pod on this episode. Please 
go see the Plastic House. And I've just realised after congratulating both Nace and Chris uh, for their awards on for winning awards after appearing on my podcast, I seem to be a good luck charm. So hopefully Alison wins some kind of award at MIF. Uh, that would be awesome. So a big thank you to Alison for coming on and a big thank you for everyone listening. Uh, enjoy MIF, enjoy movies, stay safe in lockdown, remember to social distance. Please, for the love of God, wear a mask and we'll see you later. Bye-bye.